630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. I had french fries for supper. Must be on campus. Inside Sports has gone back to school. U of A, Claire Drake Arena. We're here one hour away from faceoff. It's the U of A Golden Bears taking on the Saskatchewan Huskies, two of the top teams in the country, and an incredible and long-standing rivalry. The 500th meeting all time between these two schools. Going to be fun. We'll we're here until 8 o'clock. We'll be talking about the hockey game and some other Big news today as well. The Edmonton Eskimos making a trade. Odell Willis goes to Ottawa. Then he goes to BC. We'll talk to Brock Sunderland, who, of course, swung that deal. And uh, the new Eskimo coming from Ottawa as well. You'll get to know him a little bit. Great Cup Festival details announced today. The Oilers practicing a pretty somber practice with the news of Adam Larson's father passing away. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But we'll start off with this hockey game. And it's going to be a spirited game. I am very comfortable predicting that because it often is when the Golden Bears take on the Saskatchewan Huskies. I mean, I can remember seeing these two teams play in the 90s and thinking, oh my God, this is complete raw passion. Jordan Cook is from Leduc, but he's gone east. He's now the goaltender for the Saskatchewan Huskies. He's one of the best goaltenders in university hockey. His description of this rivalry. I believe it's an energized loathing for each other. If I'm speaking on their behalf, I believe they're looking at the counters just like we are. And um, despite the the hatred factor between both teams, uh, both games or all games are always energized, and there's a lot of passion. Love it, love it. Energized loathing. It's barely into February. Early candidate for the clip of the year on Inside Sports. Jordan gave us that the other night. He'll be the goaltender tonight for the Saskatchewan Huskies. The Bears usually split the weekend. They are expected to go with Brendan Burke tonight and then Zach Zachenko tomorrow. The rematch is going to be uh, 5 o'clock once again here at Claire Drake Arena. So uh, we'll talk more about this game as we set it up and as we get into the actual contest. Bob Stoffer will slide in a little bit later on. Of course, he's going to be here tonight. And one of the key figures in the history of this rivalry, 2005 championship game, Tied it late in the third period at Rexall Place. Won it in overtime. Ben Thompson, former Golden Bear, will catch up with him, get some of his recollections as well. Well, the Oilers last night, spirited comeback. Fell behind 2-0, 3-1. Eventually tied it in the last minute against the Colorado Avalanche. Lost in overtime. Team with an optional practice today. And, of course, Adam Larson hasn't been with the team since last Thursday because of a personal issue. And uh, it was announced today that his father, Robert, did pass away, who was uh, an excellent hockey player himself. Played professionally in Sweden for about a decade, a couple years in uh, Germany as well. He was uh, visiting Adam in Edmonton and uh, became ill 
and uh, unfortunately passed away. Robert Larson, uh, actually a sixth-round draft pick of the LA Kings back in 1980, so uh, 1988, just 50 years of age, really tough on the team. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. It accentuates that these players, and I'm not just going to talk about the Oilers, I'm going to talk about athletes or human beings. They've got a lot going on in their lives, and um, sport tends to be a, an escape for the fan and it should be that's what it's there for but uh, the players don't necessarily have that escape and they deal with a lot and um, you know Adam is dealing with that it's it's affected our room immensely um, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll continue to s- support the Larson family and uh, you won't see him here for a little while because we're going to give him the time that he needs to uh, to spend and take care of things. Okay, so that's head coach Todd McClellan. Tough day for the Oilers, and obviously condolences to Adam Larson and his family. That's uh, that's a tough one, and I think Todd put it really well in that clip about the, the perspective on, on what has happened here, and uh, obviously Adam Larson will uh, be away from the Oilers indefinitely. Okay, and uh, by the way, on the ice, we should mention that uh, as well, though it doesn't uh, match in magnitude as what we were just talking about. The Oilers will have their skills competition tomorrow, 1 o'clock at Rogers Place. I'll be doing cut-ins from that, so you can tune into 6.30 Chad between 1 and 3 for updates and interviews. That's always fun to cover that event. Next game, Monday night, when they take on the Tampa Bay Lightning, 5.30 face-off show. The game will start at 7. Yeah, a lot going on. Today, the Grey Cup Festival, presented by Shaw. Bring the heat is uh, the theme. It's going to be uh, located right downtown by the Shaw. Uh, huge announcement today with a lot of details for the festivities uh, Besides the game going on with the Grey Cup in this city, always rallies around it and really gets involved. We saw that in 2010. We sent Morley Scott down to the announcement today. He talked to Dwayne Vino, the executive director of the Grey Cup Festival. Well, Dwayne, we're standing in front of this big board here, and uh, it's an aerial view of downtown Edmonton right over the Shaw Center, and it looks spectacular. You've uh, you've got all sorts of stuff mapped out on here. Uh, this is obviously uh, people compared to 2010 who live in Edmonton. This is obviously big and better, very different from 2010. Yeah, you know, our, our when we first started our planning process, we looked at 10, and to this day, a lot of people still think 10 probably is one of the best Grey Cups of all time. And so we said, we can't, we don't want to just go in and do the exact same thing. We sort of left off where we left at 10 as our base point. And then we started talking about how do we, um, uh, how do we go to the next level? And we started brainstorming ideas. And then at the press conference today, I said all the ideas we brainstormed, we're ultimately doing them all. And so we announced a couple things today, which the new pieces are uh, the Jiffy Loop tube slide, which is, if you've ever been to like a Mount Norquay or the, somewhere that has those two parks, mm-hmm. it's exactly that. You get on a tube and you race, you, you, you're going down a hill and you're in a, in a tube sort of side by side with another person. That piece is going to be launched off of the, the zipline tower, which is 80 feet high. So it's about, about halfway up 50 feet and you're going to launch right down Jasper Avenue which is going to be fun, you know. And then um, another new thing that we've talked about, and we're still finalizing our location, but the, uh, the street ski. So we're, we're creating a ski activation, which we're literally get your boots on, get your skis on, put your board on, whatever it is, and we're creating a mini ski hill inside of our, inside of our festival site. And right now we're looking to have that on Gerson Hill Road. And then our zip line that we're bringing back then will we'll start from just east of the Shaw Conference Center on Jasper Avenue and then go right down into the River Valley. 
which has a natural elevation. So it's, we're creating like this activity-based area as a part of our festival. Churchill Square was a great setup for you in 2010, but adding the River Valley to the mix, it just seems, it just seems pretty special. You know, we have, yeah, it is. It's, you know, Jasper Avenue and River Valley, and uh, it, it's a lot, a lot of people from out of town don't realize that we have this River Valley here, and so we're going to show it off, and we're going we're gonna to play inside of it, and, uh, you know, everything else will all be around it. So, like, the mini field is there, and the, the entertainment stage is there, and just everything is in one sort of condensed area, and the Shaw Conference Center has Ryderville and all of the other team rooms and the gala dinners, and just if someone from Edmonton says, I'm going to Grey Cup on Thursday night, you know where they're going because there's only one location. Yeah. So the advice is obviously get a hotel as close as you can to yeah. the convention center because uh, you're yeah. going to be want to be at the Shaw up until game time pretty much. Exactly. We open on Wednesday and we go right up until basically game time. And, and um, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I was in your office before Christmas and it was pretty quiet. There's like only a couple people working there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you said come January, February, really gear up. What's the workload like and the workday like? for you now yeah you, you know we're we're every day gets a bit busier and that's just sort of the nature of, of this event and um but today was a big big part of that planning process once you can now publicly talk about some of these things that you're trying to build now we then go out and get the build process finalized and and finalize everything else that we're trying to build out and clearly the corporate communities jump behind you very nicely 100 we that's not you know that's just a, a sprinkle there there's a lot more coming and and we're very lucky without our corporate partners um, well, we sort of have a motto that if, um, if a corporate partner doesn't think it's worthy of investment, then we don't do it. And so we have new partners that jumped on board, some partners that were with us in the past, and they see the vision we're trying to build and they want to be a part of that vision and ultimately showcase Edmonton. What's to come still? Oh. Is there still more announcements? Yeah, yeah, we're, um, there's lots of announcements to come. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but yeah, this was a good start. We're, you know, it's just out of January, and, um, uh, you know, we're focusing on, again, building this out, more announcements, and then uh, gearing towards our June 1st on sale as well. You know, right now, um, uh, we're tracking very well. The only way to buy a ticket is through, through season seat holders, and, and they're, uh, they're, they're helping us like they did in, in 10. They're creating a great base. And if our season seat holders create that great base, that builds that momentum to get that, that sellout that we're trying to break our own record on. And uh, June 1st is when tickets go on sale, and that sounds like it's going to be a pretty special day too with, uh, with the big kickoff breakfast and Randy yeah. Ambrosi being in town. Yeah, so the commissioner, which he's a great, great, great guy, he's, gonna, he's agreed to come and uh, be our guest speaker at the, at the breakfast with the chamber. And, and the, key, the cute thing about that or the cool thing about that is that uh, anyone that wants to buy tickets to the game can buy them there, and we don't officially go on sale till 2. So there'll be kiosks built. You come in person you buy your tickets and then you sort of get an inside buy. All right, what's, uh, what's next on your list? What do, you, what do you start working on Monday morning? Uh, you know, oh, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a tough question. But no, there's just, we have a lot of things that we roll down the, at the same time. And, uh, you know, we're building out our, you know, just our overall plan, right? And we, we'll do over 50 events, Morley, you know. So we're, we're, we're um, planning dinners and we're planning awards events we're planning festivals and we're just the whole process is just sort of going at the same time man that's some exciting stuff that's Dwayne Vino the executive director of the Grey Cup Festival talking to Morley Scott this afternoon after the big announcement downtown 
Bring the heat to Jasper Avenue. That's going to be the theme. You can get more, of course, on 630Ched.com. But Dwayne uh, outlining some of the some of the cool things that are going to be going on besides the Grey Cup game in November. That is always an incredible week in the city. We're lucky to have the Grey Cup back in town. Reed Wilkins tonight live from Claire Drake Arena. Eskimos roster news today. Odell Willis traded to Ottawa for defensive lineman Jake Ceresna. We'll meet Jake later on in the show. Willis, by the way, was then traded to the BC Lions for a fourth-round pick and a negotiation list player. But from an Eskimos perspective, I'm pleased to welcome to the show General Manager Brock Sunderland. Brock, you're on with Reed. How have you been, sir? I've been busy. How about you? Yeah, no doubt. Well, thanks for making time for me uh, amidst all this busyness. Th- this was a big one today. I'm sure you're aware of uh, Odell's popularity with the fans and his and his obviously his on-field contributions in five years as an Ed- Edmonton Eskimo. Why did you feel that he had to be moved here, Brock? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one is we were the second oldest team in the league last year, and every one of our defensive ends on the international side were 30-plus, and the reality is you can't have the oldest team in the league and maintain longevity of success over a long period of time. So that was part of it. Another part of it, being very candid, is uh, salary cap implications. There's only so many guys that you can pay, and we decided that we were going to go with the youth movement a little bit at that position. You know, Quaco Botang had a great year. Uh, he's rising. We've got some other guys, Darius Allen, Nick Usher, uh, a guy about ready to sign, Devontae Fields, who was in the NFL and had... 20-some sacks at Louisville and TCU. So we feel like we have some younger guys with the arrow up, including Ceresna, who we traded for, um, who are going to be significantly cheaper and we expect big things out of. Tell me a little bit about Jake Ceresna. You mentioned, obviously, you know, the youth. He's, he's, he's a lot younger, and we will have him on the show a little bit later on. But give us a little bit of a scouting report of him. He was a rookie with the Red Blacks last year. Right. So we signed him in Ottawa in 16 when I was there. So he's a big guy, 6'5", uh, 295 to 300, really long arms. I want to say 34, almost 35-inch arms, plays with great pad level, had a productive rookie year last year. Um, sack production, if you look at stats, aren't through the roof. But when you watch the film, he's moving the pocket and he's open up lanes for his teammates, which I always look at pass pressure as more than just the number of sacks. If you're making the quarterback move off his spot, That's a good defense alignment. On top of that, as an interior guy, he had 18 total tackles, uh, which isn't easy to do. So uh, we like the upside. He's a hard worker. You know, went to the New York Jets for a little bit. So I think he's going to fit in here with the culture that we're building, and uh, I think he's a highly talented guy. Brock Sunderland joining us on Inside Sports, general manager for the Edmonton Eskimos. You have been busy. We're not going to break down every move that's happened over the last few weeks, but uh, Kenny Stafford has uh, actually come in studio to be on the show with me a couple times in the offseason. He's actually interested in a a possible broadcasting career whenever football ends, but he he is sticking around here, and, uh, you know, he's been a pretty... Uh, valuable sort of third, fourth receiver when he has been able to, to play for the Eskimos. Um, give me a sense of how he's going to fit in. And I also want to ask you, Brock, uh, I'm pretty sure he was negotiating his own contract. Is that different dealing directly with the player as opposed to an agent? Uh, I actually prefer it just because you get to know them a little bit better and they get to see your point of view and how you're fitting the pieces together. So some of the guys... Are, their eyes are open and they don't understand all the moving pieces. Uh, Kenny's extremely sharp. I'll say this. is He's been around football and professional athletics his whole life, and you can tell. He knows everything about it. He's aware of the moving parts, where he fits, the value, so on and so forth. So I, I actually really enjoyed it. And, you know, quite frankly, he could probably have a career down the road either as an agent or uh, the front office side of things. That's how good I, it, he is, I, I believe. 
Um, and where he fits, he, he's a speed guy. Every time he's been called upon and, and thrown the ball to, he makes plays. So we thought it was vital to get him back. Um, when he's on the field, when you talk to other teams and other defense coordinators in particular, he can take the top off. You have to account for him. So whether he's you know, one, two, or three to the field, uh, there's a lot of space out there. And when you have a guy that's a 4-3, uh, he's noticeable. That opens up everything underneath. And if you, if you try to go man on him, we're just going to take our chances and throw a 50-50 ball because most of the time he's going to be by his guy and make a big play. All right, Brock. Well, thanks for uh, giving us the details of the Odell Willis trade. I know fans are interested in that. I know you're really busy, but thanks for making time for me, and I hope you have uh, time to watch at least some of the Super Bowl on Sunday. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That is Brock Sunderland, the general manager of your Edmonton Eskimos. So, you know, he said it's salary cap and wanting to get younger. That's the reason for the Odell Willis trade. You'll get to know Jake Serezna later on tonight on Inside Sports. It's 622. We're live from Claire Drake Arena. Coming right back. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, 625 Inside Sports, live from Claire Drake Arena. I'm looking across the Saskatchewan Huskies, about to come out for the pregame warm-up, face-off at 7, 500th meeting all-time between these two teams. In the NHL, Capitals and Penguins are tied 3-3 with about eight minutes left in the second period. Ovechkin with a goal in that game. He's now up to 31 on the season. Kessel got his 22nd of the year for the Penguins. Red Wings lead the Hurricanes 2-1. That's also with about Eight minutes left in the second period. Trevor Daly, the most recent goal, his fifth of the year. San Jose with a 2-1 lead in Columbus. That's in the second period as well. Logan Couture, his 22nd of the year. And the Vegas Golden Knights after that wild overtime session against the Jets yesterday and more goalie interference controversy, of course. The Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild are scoreless about nine minutes into the first period. Golden Bears wearing their throwback yellow jerseys tonight. Huskies onto the ice in black. This is going to be a fun one. Live from Claire Drake Arena, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30, Chet. J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. 30 seconds to play. Russell right circle. Loading up. Back to drives on a fires one. Rebounds. Connor McDavid is tied the game. Comfort weak shot. And that was blocked away by Nurse. Taken away, though, by Colorado. Waiting. Looking, shooting, wrist shot, score. Comfort buries it after Barry's initial attempt was blocked. And Colorado prevails 4-3 in OT. That's how Jack Michaels called the drama last night at Rogers Place. The Oilers coming from behind in the third period, but then falling in overtime 4-3 to the Colorado Avalanche. Connor McDavid, two goals, including the tying goal in the final 30 seconds. Drake Kajula had the other one on a deflection, and of course he had that one disallowed. I, you know, I mean, obviously rightfully disallowed because you can't push the puck and the when the goalie has the puck in his equipment, in his glove, wherever, you can't push his body or that part of his body into the net. It, it, it was a weird review, and I know this is why a lot of you get frustrated by video review, because they call it a goal, 
and then they go back and look again and call it no goal. But what happened was they they called it no goal on the ice and then say, hey, hey, wait a minute, maybe the puck was over the line. So that's the refs themselves wanting to look at it. So they look at it and they say, oh, well, yes, the puck did cross the goal line and we never blew the whistle even though it was in the glove. They can't just call goalie interference off that replay on their own and then Colorado right away obviously challenges it and, yeah, Kajula, an illegal play, pushing the glove back into the net. It's uh, it's, it's highly debated. It's, it's been coming up a lot with the offside review, the uh, McDavid-Strom no goal against... Uh, Calgary that was not challenged by the Flames for goalie interference. That was the NHL uh, command center. The hockey ops people wanted to take a look at that one, and then and then it got waved off. And yeah, there's uh, Gary Bettman came out during the All Star break and said we need to maybe uh, you know remember why we have video review. It's to catch the obvious things. It's not to look and comb over the video from uh, every angle as, as slowly as possible until we find what we think we look, we're looking for. Uh, but then you, you saw some goalie interference last night with the Boston play. Two guys basically running a pick on the goaltender and firing it in. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets were certainly unhappy about uh, <laughs> the James Neal stick swing, uh, knocking Connor Hellebuck and then the, the score on that play. So there's definitely a lack of clarity on goalie interference despite the video review process. Bob Stoffer's popping in now. Reed Wilkins, we're at, uh, at Claire Drake Ram. I mean, the Kajula goal should not have counted. You flat out can't do that. But given the consistency of the video review, hey, who knows what they're going to call. Oh, no, I think that one was definitely, that was honest, uh, yeah. that's definitely a no goal. So, well, we'll see what we got tonight. It's too bad there's a huge winter storm because it might affect the crowd a bit. There's a pretty massive one. worse out there? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. Well, we're going we're gonna to tee this one up, but uh, some Oilers chat here. First, Bob Kersey and Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. The Oilers had an optional practice today. We should know Cam Talbot was back in net. He was ill and didn't even dress last night. Uh, Al Montoya did not uh, skate today after playing last night. But, uh, the, you know, if people have missed it, uh, the Oilers confirming, unfortunately, that Robert Larson, Adam's father, passed away at the age of 50. I mean, a pro hockey player himself and... Uh, I never got to, to meet him, Bob, but, uh, you know, obviously a huge impact on Adam's life. Maybe it's a th- if it's a 30-team NHL back in the day, uh, maybe he comes over and, and plays, but a long career in, in uh, Sweden, and Adam will obviously be away from the team for a little while. Well, Adam's a very popular uh, teammate with his group. I mean, he's, as a rule of thumb, I mean, there's agents that'll tell you you, you can you never go wrong uh, having a player f- uh, from a place that starts with the letter S, meaning Saskatchewan or Sweden, and uh, and I, I guess what, you know, we, we had a, a pretty clear uh, understanding that something not good had happened with Adam about a week ago. And, I mean, he raced off the ice during the, the course of a morning skate, and then we never saw him again. Uh, so you knew it was uh, significant. And uh, the lesson here is there's things that do, uh, you know, can be very difficult for teams to deal with. And, I mean, unfortunately for the Edmonton Oilers this season, there's there, lots has gone on. It's, and it's, it's almost like there's been a negative energy vortex that has kind of, uh, I guess, sort of 
envelop the team a little bit throughout the course of the year. And this now this one's far more serious. And that's you know something like that. I think that when that occurs for all the guys, and in the case of you know Milan Lucic lost his father a couple of years ago. Zach Cassian was quite young when his dad passed away. And, uh, you know that is something that I think sh shook a lot of guys and made things very difficult. And I wonder, to be frank with you, if uh, an energy level for the group was affected at times uh, early in the game. Because I know, certainly in the case of Adam, I mean they have nothing but the utmost respect for him. So that was, a, a, I'm sure, a challenging time for the team. And uh, I, I would think that Adam would need bereavement leave for at least uh, a couple weeks. And yeah. so you know, I, and I don't know what else you can really say on something like that other than our hearts go with them yeah, uh, for, for sure. him for sure Oilers will have the skills competition tomorrow likely another practice on Sunday game on on Monday I mean, I mean you mentioned the starts I mean you know what Bob you you often use the phrase and, and it, it, it's an appropriate phrase you'll say that team can take a punch well the Oilers take a punch this year then they take another one then they often take another I mean the the times they've fallen by they they've allowed the first goal 31 times in 50 games They've fallen behind 2 nothing or worse a lot since Christmas, including the last three on the homestand. And I just thinking to myself last night, this team would be dangerous if they could avoid a, a 2 nothing deficit. But they, but they often have things, multiple things go wrong in rapid succession. Not always, but sometimes self-inflicted wounds are the cause, too. Maybe not so much last night, because I thought Colorado worked hard, but well, that's plagued them. The biggest self-inflicted wounds this year for the Oilers have been the special teams. I mean, the fact that they're 7-6-2 and two at home over their last 15 games, when they're only 22 of 43 on the PK and 2 for 38 on the power play. I mean, when you can't start your first power play unit uh, to, to start a period because they were so dreadful to close the period out, I, I think that speaks volumes. And, and that was Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And they need those guys going too. I mean, they're going five on five, but to, to be in the position that they're in, to be marginally on, uh, under 500 with 30th and 31st ranked uh, special teams units, that's the biggest thing because that PK killing percentage is directly correspondent with some of the struggles. And Cam Talbot's five on five save percentage is only marginally down from last year. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those situations where obviously they got to get it rectified. It's ironic, and we're going to be able to transition to this game tonight because the Saskatchewan Husky special teams were not very good. And a boyhood friend of Todd McClellan's is Troy Walkington. And they brought Troy Walkington back this year. He's from Melville, grew up with Todd McClellan, Kevin Carey is a sportscaster with a Global. And they brought Troy back at uh, Christmas time. I bumped into Troy and Dave Adolph last night over at Dan Baker's place, uh, down at a U of A alum, uh, Pub 1905. Dan, uh, that's got to be a free GC or something. <laughs> and, and and just had a, you know, I was unaware that Troy was back with the team, but they brought him back in because the Huskies were seen as a pretty good five-on-five five team, but they haven't played very good in the second half of the year. So, I mean, it just shows you the special teams matter at every level. Well, the Bears actually didn't start the second half. Well, they're one, two, and one, which for the Golden Bears is a is a massive slump of three points out of a, a possible eight, but they're warming up here tonight. Now, how is, I'm just wondering, how's this going to, so you're side-by-side side with the broadcasters? Like These guys are calling the game. Yep. I'm doing a show. Yep. These guys, I think, are doing stats. But you're not up in that. I thought, so when I came oh, in, I was, maybe. I tried I'm always here. I tried to sneak in the back door, and of course, they can't afford the security because they got to pay everybody minimum wage now. So they got to pay people like $14. They don't have anybody at the back, the old secret staffer entrance into the building. And then I thought you were going to be upstairs, 
So you I thought I was above the Zamboni. Yeah, I thought you're. No, no, the, in the corner where you were the one year. I've never been. Was I up there? Well, maybe it was no. Sid Smith. It might have been Sid Smith. I think it was Sid. I think you're flashing back. A wow, that's, 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 that's incredible. Well, I'm not going to date myself, but the first the first game that I did here as a play-by-play guy was in 1989. Okay. So who? Okay, let me ask you this because. I started coming to games here when I was a student in the early 90s, yeah. and then obviously I kept going, and then you and I met because I actually, you gave me a sort of an internship while I was going to Nate to yeah. do some intermissions and read scoreboards and stuff like that. And to me, in that late 90s, is is that when the Huskies more or less, because I remember when I was going to school early 90s, I think Regina. Oh yeah, was Regina was really good. Years, so. Yeah, in the, late, in the late 80s, it was Calgary and Alberta. Willie Desjardins was coaching Calgary. Calgary had the national team there, so they got a lot of guys playing, and at that time there was kind of a little bit loose rules, and so you could play a couple games for the national team and then play for the UFC. So the UFC, when Bill Morris coached the U of A in the late 1980s, the UFC actually had more talent than Alberta. They got more of the WHL kids at that point than the U of A did. Uh, and and then Rob Dom, uh, Billy went over to Japan. Uh, Peter Esdale came in for a year. It was the only year the U of A didn't make the playoffs, and it was a bad year not to make the playoffs because it was this, uh, the year that the NHL lost half the season in 94-95. Barkley Pierce got stripped of his captaincy. It was a real tough year here. And Rob Dom came in, and he completely changed how recruiting was done. And then for the next several years, Alberta became the powerhouse school right with Saskatchewan. And Dave Adolph had left Lethbridge. First year he leaves, uh, Babcock wins the national championship at Lethbridge. Adolph goes to Saskatchewan. He's coached there ever since, 25 years. And for a number of years, from about 95 to 2000, Saskatchewan had at least as good a teams as Alberta. By the early 2000s, the U of A completely took over the Canada West and had by far the better players. Uh, the Huskies, to their credit, have always been probably the second best team on average. You know, some years they'd win the West, but they, they, in terms of talent, second best team. Um, and then there's been runs like Rob's last seven years at the U of A won three national titles and he had a winning percentage around 900. Okay, the three years Ian Herbers were here, but like put it this way, Eric Thurston won two national championships, five conference titles in six years. And some people would say he was only an average coach here. I'd say maybe he should, you know, get a little bit more credit. Yeah, I think so. But Herbers was unbelievable. So yeah, he, he did teams, a fantastic those teams, in, those teams were incredible. The, the three years he coached here were and, and, and so this is gonna be interesting to see where Ian moves uh, if he does move moving forward. Does he return here? You know, he knows the system that Todd McClellan wants, you know, would they keep him in the organization, maybe with another team. We'll have to wait and see. All right, Bob Stoffer, Reed Wilkins, Claire Drake Arena, Golden Bears and Huskies are warming up. Game's going to start at 7 o'clock. So, I mean, look, Ben Thompson's going to join us at, at, at 7.05. And this is the 500th game, but yet there's really only one choice from the most famous game. Or, or is there? Or is there? Is there some spirited regular Well, season? you might have been there for one of the three best moments. Were you not at the 2000 National Championship or were you at the 99 one? Which one did I you... I was at the 99 one. Right, okay. I was at the 99 were, one. You were already in Lloyd. the number one seed right. and lost to Moncton in the... Right, and then Alberta bombed Moncton 6-2 in the final. Yeah. That was the year Cam Danilek had the hat trick. I would say, I would say the, uh, I would say the 2000 uh, Russ Houston double overtime goal was probably a top three goal in Golden Bears history. But that was not against the U of S. That was not against the U of S. But in terms of best memories against the U of S, obviously the comeback in 05. And I'll be honest, when they were down 3-1 after two, 
I was like, oh, yeah. we should have never moved it because I was on the organizing committee as well. My role at the U of A at the time, I'm like, we should have never moved it out of Claire Drake Arena, all for the big gate. And the Bears, you know what, Saskatchewan switched up their forecheck, and the Bears just drilled them in the third. And I mean, they outshot them like 19 to 3 or something and got the two goals to tie Thompson's. That reverse pivot movie made off the half boards. The sl- I got calls the next day. The, the owners had the farm team in Edmonton that year. That was the lockout year. And they were trying to sign a couple of the uh, Golden Bear players that were 20 years old, try to convince them to leave, uh, to just turned 21, try to convince them to leave school. And you know what's interesting, Reed? Alberta beat Saskatchewan in 05, and the Huskies tanked it here in 06. They lost right here in the uh, semifinal against uh, Lakehead. They had a way better team. They should have won that game. They lost, and Alberta beat Lakehead. So Alberta won 05 and 06 at home. And they really should have three-peated because they were 39-0-2 and 4 in New Brunswick. And that was, so in 4 we had the most difficult, for me, the most difficult loss that the programs had. And a year later, probably the greatest win, ironically, against the Saskatchewan Huskies team. We should mention that 5-2 comeback in the final five minutes right before Christmas. And that's when I knew knew they could could win that year. Did they get a power play in the last five minutes? Yeah, Scott Hankelman got a match penalty for the Saskatchewan Huskies. And then the Bears banged off, uh, you know, three goals to tie and one at an OT. And they were not in and that you, game. And you, you had the privilege of working that broadcast. I was right across the street here at, at the Students' Union building. At CJSR. CJSR operated the game, ready to ready to leave. Right now you're getting Let's texts from guys that want us to be talking about the Oilers. And we've just well, spent we 12 minutes. we talked about the Oilers quite a bit, which is good. We're talking about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Bob, thanks for stopping by. I know you're going to go hook up with some people to watch the game. Always a pleasure on the show. This Reed, is so much fun to have you on. Reed, anytime you're stuck and can't get a better guest, you just text me, okay? Absolutely. That is Bob Stoffer. This is Inside Sports on 630 Jet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Well, Mark Letestu, of course, is going to be an unrestricted free agent in the summer. Would not surprise me to see him traded before the uh, trade deadline here coming up later in February. Reed Wilkins live from Claire Drake Arena tonight as we uh, are here for the 500th game all time between the U of A Golden Bears and the Saskatchewan Huskies. Bears ranked number three in the country. Huskies ranked number five. Uh, if you want to reach out, you can text us at 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Though I'm going to be honest with you here, I don't know if the text line, uh, if I'm getting the text coming through here at Claire Drake Arena, but uh, that's okay. If I do get some, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know if that's working, Kellen, but that's all right. Uh, Email inside sports at 630ched.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. Great to have uh, Bob on the show. Of course, uh, both uh, he and I were uh, part of uh, U of A broadcast earlier, uh, earlier in our careers. Well, for me, it wasn't that uh, long ago. Up until about six years ago, I was doing uh, Golden Bears and Pandas basketball games. First at the main gym here at the U of A and then over at the uh, Savile Community Sports Center. Those were always fun. And uh, as I've told you guys before, nothing like being courtside for a basketball game because you, you sit at the end of the scorer's table so we'd often be broadcasting right next to the home bench so when I started you'd be just feet away from Don Horwood as he was making strategy decisions and often trying to politely influence a call here and there by the by a referee politely of course never getting out of hand but that's 
that's the best place to watch a basketball game because uh, you're right there and you get so much of the interaction. So that was uh, always pretty cool. But the Claire Drake Arena, such a great spot, and uh, this should be a very entertaining game tonight as the Huskies take on the Golden Bears. I want to remind you that some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Don't forget to check out Northern Chicken's Super Bucket. 20 pieces of chicken, Doritos mac and cheese, coleslaw, cornbread, and gravy, just 65 bucks. You can visit northchickenyeg.com to get more details on that. Really appreciate having Northern Chicken on board. The Great Cup Festival announced today. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we uh, move along tonight on Inside Sports. You can also get more on the 630 Ched website. We had Eskimos General Manager Brock Sunderland on the show earlier, and... After the 7.30 news tonight, we'll have the newest Edmonton Eskimo on the show, defensive lineman Jake Ceresna, acquired from the Ottawa Red Blacks in exchange for Odell Willis. So 10 years in the CFL, five with the Eskimos. Willis moving on at the age of 33, and Brock Sunderland said it. Age, a big reason that he decided to make that trade. The second oldest team in the CFL last year were the Edmonton Eskimos uh, and the salary cap as well. That Willis uh, makes a lot of money and and maybe a situation. Willis still had a really good year. Uh, Eight sacks in 16 games. Still can get to the quarterback. Still a very good athlete. I think he was being used a little less. Well, I know he was being used a little less than he had in recent years. So maybe they thought, is is the role that he's going to be asked to play by Jason Moss and the coaching staff, is that going to match the, the amount of money that he's being paid? And clearly the decision there was no. I know that's a tough one. I mean, Willis was a big personality. I know when he was acquired by the Eskimos, I think some fans, I don't want to say all of them, but I know for sure some fans said, why are we getting this guy? Because he had that reputation uh, of being, well, let's face it, a loudmouth, yapping a lot. Maybe uh, he had that reputation of being too much of a, a me guy as opposed to a team guy. But he did really well in Edmonton, and he was one of the guys that helped turn it around from 4-14 and to eventually winning the Grey Cup after a 14-4 and season. Uh, always tons of energy. He was one of the guys that led the charge into the, the players going into the stands uh, after they had that one home win against Winnipeg during the 4-14 and season, and then they did it. Uh, when they clinched the West final, uh, clinched first in the West in, in 2015. So uh, uh, certainly an energetic guy. Uh, like I said, very athletic. Often with Willis, he, sometimes he would drop back uh, and help with pass coverage a little bit. Or even after rush, rushing the passer, he would turn around and pursue a guy who caught a ball on a short or intermediate pattern. So a good player, but he's moving on. Ottawa then trades him to BC. So interesting for Willis, he uh, rejoins Ed Hervey, former Eskimos general manager who's now the Lions GM. Jake Ceresna is the new guy coming to the Eskimos and you'll hear from him after the 7.30 news. Not the only move of significance today in the CFL. Uh, Another really good defensive lineman, Charlton, uh, Charlton Hughes, also traded twice. First of all, from Calgary to Hamilton in a deal involving draft picks, and then from Hamilton to Saskatchewan for quarterback Vernon Adams. So uh, what I think is going to be a very good Saskatchewan team in 2018 gets a little better on the D-line with Charleston Hughes. Other news about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, star receiver Duran Carter. Marijuana possession at the Saskatoon Airport. He'll be in court on March 27th. And Ricky Ray will be back, signing on for one more year with the Toronto Argos, the 38-year-old, of course, leading them 
to the Grey Cup last year. First year he played under Mark Trestman, who's been an outstanding CFL coach over the last decade. Obviously went down to the NFL for a little while. All right. Capitals and Penguins 3-3 after two, also after two. Detroit leading Carolina 2-1, early third. Sharks up 2-1 on the Blue Jackets after the first. Minnesota leading Vegas 2-0. Ben Thompson, one of the Golden Bears heroes in this rivalry with the Huskies. He'll join us when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.